Good morning, everybody. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Belinda Norrington. Um, I'm lead for pastoral development here at Zio Church. And it is such a, a joy and a real privilege this morning to be able to bring you the fourth in a series of four sermons about peacekeeping. And so far in this month of August, we've been looking at three really useful tools of everyday peacemaking. We've been looking at seeing, we've been looking at immersing, and we've been looking at contending. And so I think really part of my role here this morning is just to help us take one step back and just look at what are the really deep purposes of God with peacemaking. In essence, what's the biggest why of peacemaking? So the authors of Mending the Divides, which is the book that goes alongside this series, they describe peacemaking as the holistic repair of relationships. And that's because at, in, right at the core of this kind of peace, this peace from God, which is all about flourishing and thriving and wholeness, right at the core of this kind of peace are relationships. So it's a relationship, uh, the res- restoration of the relationship between God and individuals. It's the restoration and the repair of relationships between humans. And it's the repair of the relationship of human beings and the earth itself. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to dig a bit deeply into the, the goal that lies beneath peacemaking, which is the restoration of all things. And what I would really love to do this morning is to kind of place two anchors, kind of centre and forward this morning. One of them is a real-life example that I think is really dramatic and useful, and the other one is the most amazing passage from the New Testament that absolutely nails why restoration and reconciliation are just so at the heart of our faith. So if I could, I'm going to start with a real-life example. So many years ago, when I was about 18 years old, it was the late 80s, and I was travelling and working in southern Africa. And I found myself at one point in Pretoria, and it was before the fall of the apartheid regime, and I met the most amazing person, and he was called the Reverend Frank Shikane. This is a picture of him. And uh, I heard him speak. And he had been a, a pastor all his adult life in his home country of South Africa, but he'd also been a, a peaceful, non-violent um, agitator against the apartheid regime. And for this, he had suffered enormously. So he'd had his house petrol bombed, he'd had constant harassment, he'd had to go in hiding, he'd been in detention many times. All of this uh, had really affected him and his family. But he spoke particularly about one um, detention that he suffered. He, so he was arrested and taken to his local police station, and he was kept there uh, detained there for six weeks. And during that time, he was brutally tortured for that six-week period. And the man that that instigated and supervised that torture was a white deacon from his own church, uh, a man that he knew. And whilst this was sort of incredibly shocking and harrowing to hear, actually what has stayed with me all these years between is the way that he was able to articulate how he was the process by which he was able to forgive this man, and, and also the way that he was able to, to, to move beyond the, the constant suffering and oppression that him and so many people were living under, which isn't to say that he didn't have incredibly difficult times in his life. 
But it, it just, I just couldn't compute how this man could be so full of peace, so full of grace, and yet be in such terrible suffering until he spoke about two things. One of them was he, when he spoke about his relationship with God, he spoke of this daily um, just giving of grace and strength. For him, actually, he, he talked about how it was in the Bible that he really was nourished and fed, where he, he felt that he, he met with Jesus between the words of the Bible. In fact, to the extent that sometimes he got people to smuggle a Bible into the prisons where he was being kept, because for him, that was that thin place between his spirit and God. And so he, he talked about this daily restoration of his relationship, his personal relationship with God that was so central to him being able to continue doing what he did. And the other thing is, without a doubt, he had caught a bigger vision for South Africa. He sensed God on the move in his country, and he wanted to be part of that bigger, better story than the constant violence and struggle that he saw around him. He really wanted to partner with God in whatever God was doing to bring reconciliation to South Africa at that very, very difficult time of its history. He did not want to miss out. That gave him so much passion, so much motivation. So it was those two things, living into his own personal restoration with God and catching a vision, a better story of what God might be doing amid the conflict and amid the violence that he was living in. So I'm going to put that front and centre for us just to kind of keep in our minds because it's such a, a sort of clear, dramatic example. And then the other, the other thing that I want to put front and centre is the most incredible passage from the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul who lived not long after Jesus and was spreading the message of Christ around the kind of Eastern Mediterranean. And he was writing this second letter to a young church in Corinth. And it absolutely encapsulates why restoration is just such a central part of our faith. So this is what he wrote. It's in 2 Corinthians 5. It's verse 16 to 23, if you want to follow along. And this is what Paul is saying. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So there we have it, you know, it's the beating heart of our peacemaking gospel that God is continually reconciling all things, every one of us, the whole earth to himself in Christ. And we're called, each one of us, it says, Paul says, what does he say? For anyone who is in Christ, that's every single one of us, we are called to be witnesses of this message and be partners with God in his restoration and repair of relationships. You know, Paul says we have a, a message and a ministry of reconciliation. And I was kind of wondering what that means in more ordinary uh, sort of modern language. And I think really what he's getting at 
is that we are all called to be daily restored ourselves by the love of God and then have confidence to step out into the brokenness and the conflicts and the divisions that inevitably will, will be in our lives and, and will come across our path and take the peacemaking presence of God into those places. Be his instruments for peace and restoration. And be confident that God will move. That God, After all, it says in that passage that all of this is God's work. So, I think um, it's really encouraging that we're not expected by God to do this alone. This is his work. And there's some really important foundations to think about when, if we want to say yes to, do it, to partnering with God in what he is doing to bring repair to relationships. So... Um, First one, um, as I mentioned about Frank Shikane, we need to live into our own personal restoration by Jesus. Paul says, be reconciled to God. Be every day refreshed and renewed in your thinking and your heart by God. You know, we can't hope to exude and release peace into areas of conflict if it's not something that we ourselves are experiencing. Uh, there's, an, uh, funnily enough, another... Um, passage that really gives me um, sort of hope with this because it says in Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish. You know, in order to be able to do this, in order to be able to really know God's peace, we need to be plugged into it. And sometimes that feels like an effort because actually our lives can be so busy, you know, our email box is overflowing, we're called to so many different things, there's so many responsibilities, there's never enough hours in the day, and yet being in the presence of God, being renewed and restored ourselves is, is a free gift. We don't have to be good enough, we don't have to strive for it or earn it, but we do need to make that effort to actually just receive everything that God wants to give us so that we can partner with him in what he is doing in the world. You know, if you think about it, um, look how many times Jesus in the Gospels, he left the busyness, he left the crowds, he left his friends, he left his very own ministry, and he disappeared up to the top of a mountain or to a, to a boat in the middle of a, the middle of a lake. Why? to be saturated again by the presence of his Father, to have his humanity absolutely infused with the Spirit of God, to have his, that connection with the Father clear and bright and full of love and grace and power so that when he went back down into the crowds, he was absolutely in tune with his Father. He could see what was going on beneath the surface. He was able to be an instrument of God bringing peace and restoration to the brokenness that he found there. And that's what he's calling us to do, to receive first our own restoration of our hearts and then set out with God as a partner into the world. Second of all, I really believe that God is calling us to be a listening presence in the world. Uh, there's, an, funnily enough, another um, uh, South African pastor called Trevor Hudson who's really been a teacher to me in this is that we are called to listen well. We're called to listen to God, to have those times of restoration when we just receive and we listen, we get to know the voice of God, we hear his affirmations of love over us. We really listen. And we also are called to listen to ourselves, what's honestly going on inside of our own hearts. 
And we're definitely called to listen, to be fully present and to listen well to the people that he brings into our lives. And this, this, this chap, Trevor Hudson, he talks about the Zulu greeting Salbona. If anyone speaks Zulu here, please forgive my North Hertfordshire accent. Um, but this word Salbona is so much more than, hello, how are you? Uh, it's more, I see you, you matter to me. I see you, like I see you without agenda, I see you without wanting to change you or convert you or make you think that I'm right, or I, I just see you and you matter to me. And the reply is shiboka. And shiboka means, and I am with you in this moment also. I am with you in this moment. I'm not thinking about yesterday. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. I'm not, I haven't got my phone up on the table checking it every five minutes. No, I'm with you, fully present to you in this moment. And I think that is the most beautiful, Christ-like posture. And, you know, it's so often we see Jesus like this in a busy crowd in the Gospels. Where there's all these stories of Jesus being hemmed in in the heat and the dust with so many people. And one person calls out his name in need. One person t- reaches out for his, his cloak. And he turns to that person and he is fully, fully present He hears what's going on in their hearts. And I think if we want to be like Jesus, we need to learn to listen well. You know, when I became a Christian many, many, many years ago, um, I I was very much asked to to say the Jesus prayer, to to, to ask, to invite Jesus into my heart. And as soon as I was a Christian, it's like, great, you're a Christian, now go tell people. And I think that that those are both beautiful things, and they're absolutely right in many, many ways, but they are woefully inadequate on their own. Because actually what Jesus is telling us also is to listen. I've never heard someone say, amazing, you've become a Christian, go listen. Now, go listen. Go listen to God. Listen for his voice. Get to know him. Go listen to, really be honest now, be aware of what's going on inside of you. Listen to what's going on. Be brave and listen with an open heart and with grace and with generosity to the people that I bring into your path. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Christians, the church was known as a listening presence of God in the, in the world? Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be amazing? I feel like the Spirit is saying something to the church in these days about becoming a listening presence. And it starts with me and it starts with you being a listening presence, of the grace of God for people that we meet in our lives. And do you know what happens when we create these listening, seeing, open, loving spaces between us and other people? God is so faithful. I've seen this so many times. God cut the spirit, floods into those spaces. And he brings understanding and he brings hope and he brings love and he brings grace and he brings the, the very beginning, the threads of reconciliation, the threads of restoration. That's what happens when we create these loving, listening spaces. Sometimes the wonky filters of our own fears about other people that are different to us or don't have the same values of us. You know, sometimes those, those filters of our own biases that Paul talked about so brilliantly a few weeks ago, they begin to fall down. And the binary ways that we tend to categorize people sometimes times or the world, them and us, outsider, insider, saved, unsaved, all of these sort of binary categories begin to fall away. As Paul urged us in that passage, put down those worldly perspectives, let them go, you're a new creation. There's a new way to see people, there's a new way to live. And it starts so very often with listening. That amazing prayer in the Old Old Testament, Shema, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, all of that. It starts with listen. 
Listen and respond. And listening is only true listening when we respond to what we hear. Okay, um, I think the difficult thing I have to say is to, to myself and to all of us is can we have the maturity to hold these differences between the people that come into our paths and ourselves with this kind of grace, longing for this kind of restoration? Can we, um, can we do this? Because I think the stakes are really, really high. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a German theologian and pastor, he was killed by the Nazis in the war, but he wrote just before the war in 1938 in his book Life Together these really sobering words, and they shook me when I read them, and I think they will shake you, but it's in a, it's a good way. He said, the person who is deaf to their neighbor will soon be deaf to God. The person who is deaf to their neighbor will soon be deaf to God. And when we refuse to have this listening, open-hearted presence with people where God can move, something happens to our heart. It does become harder and it does become calloused. And you know, that's very uncompromising, that statement, isn't it? But Jesus was very uncompromising in so many of the things that he said and so many of the parables, like the parable of the Good Samaritan that we've been looking at in the other sermons this month. You know, God is saying, who is the neighbor that you need to listen to in this way, the neighbor that you need to see? Where maybe do you this morning need to be restored to some of your attitudes, some of your blind spots? Where do you need my touch of, of forgiveness and setting free and grace? I know these are really hard questions, and, um, but I think a well-lived life, well life is able to ask itself some tough questions. Because when we ask them in the grace and the love of God, that way lies our growth and our freedom and our liberation from the things that would hold us back and prevent us from partnering with God in these amazing works of restoration that he does in the world. So, I think we need to talk about forgiveness, and I'm holding this very tenderly in my hands right now, because I know that for many people, forgiveness is, um, even just considering it when you've been really badly wounded, is, is a process and it's hard, but I really want to mention it because I think it is often a gateway to our own freedom and to the uh, amazing work of God that he does to reconcile and repair relationships. The, the authors of Mending the Divides describe forgiveness as the humble, courageous act that allows God to begin joining the broken pieces together. It's the gateway to reconciliation. And if you're a little bit confused or you've picked up some funny ideas about actually what forgiveness involves, can I give you this definition? Forgiveness is recognizing the full and truthful extent of harm done and still deciding to let go of a need to get even and keep score. It's prepared to consider the uncomfortable, uncertain, messy path of reconciliation if it is safe and possible to do so. So it's not a polite papering over of sin and pain. It excuses and condones nothing, but it's a courageous, powerful act that can bring so much reconciliation and so much healing to your own heart. And you know, when we are prepared to go through pain together, really fixed on mutual flourishing and equality, the reconciliation that can follow, the restoration of relationships can be so beautiful, such an expression of God's power and God's love in the world. It's nothing less than the extension of the kingdom of God through the lives of human beings, bringing liberation and freedom and restoration. And it's this that we are called into. What an incredible, 
honor, what an amazing, exciting way to live our lives, partnering with him in the works of reconciliation and restoration that he longs to do in the world. So just to finish, perhaps I could ask myself, first and foremost, I'm preaching so hard to myself right now, uh, how this week could we go forward to be a more listening presence to God, to ourselves, and to the people he brings into our path? Where could we open small gateways of forgiveness? Where could we consider the places where we need bridges of reconciliation? As you sit there, you will probably feel in the pit of your stomach. You know where your heart needs restoration. You know the places of conflict and difficulty and pain in your lives. Could we say yes to that invitation from God to be more fully restored ourselves? And bring that restoration and that peace into the broken places of our lives and the broken places of the world. And when we do that, we have the most stunning promise from the mouth of Jesus himself recorded in Matthew 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Amen. Amen.